The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Any health advice given, whether general, diet, physical or spiritual, is general only and must be verified by your doctor. If you need medical advice, please consult a doctor. Assalamualaikum, I'm Dr. Amna and welcome to the Health and Fitness Show on Inspire FM. The time is 6pm, it's Thursday the 6th of July 2023 and for the next hour we'll be focusing on your health and fitness. Now this is a pre-recorded show but we will be going live on 105.1 FM and you can also catch us on the Inspire FM YouTube page, the Inspire FM app and Facebook Live, as well as on Instagram. So please do get in touch with any questions and we will get back to you and follow up. If you do have any questions or comments or you want to join us on um, a future show or want us to follow up on anything that we've discussed today, please call us on 01582 481822 or send all your questions in via text or WhatsApp on 0777-948-1822. Now today we are discussing something that some of us may have thought we've completely put behind us because there was a lot of talk for what seems like a very very long time about COVID. But maybe one thing we haven't really picked up on, and maybe not so much in our communities, is the concept of long COVID and what that is and how it may be still affecting us, uh, either on an individual basis or on a community basis. So today, uh, we're very lucky to have um, one of our local Luton GPs, um, who also runs the post-COVID assessment service, Dr. Monjur Ahmed. Um, joining us today. Assalamu alaikum. Waalaikumsalam, Amna. You okay? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Very good. Very good. Thank you for joining us. Um, did you want to just start off by kind of telling us a little bit about yourself, maybe a little bit about your background, because you are fairly kind of Luton, you're one of the kind of, you're one of the Luton Lions, uh, but also um, just a big advocate for Luton. And I think with something like this that can, you know, be a long-term condition, it's really, really important to understand the impact on our communities. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm not so different from you, really. We're both uh, from Luton. So I was born in Luton, grew up in Luton and went off to do GP training um, and then came back because I was really keen to come back to the town that I love so much, mm. uh, even more so now that we're in the Premier League. And <laughs> um, a lot of the roles that I'm involved with, so for example, um, with the Luton Lions, a partner at Woodland Avenue Practice, with the local um, integrated care board, and also with the post-COVID assessment service, it's all about benefiting the patients of Luton. Mm. Um, and so I'm, I'm really pleased to be on the show today because uh, like you mentioned, COVID seems to have disappeared from everyone's minds, but there's a large chunk of patients out there who are still suffering, probably in silence, mm-hmm. with this issue of long COVID. And unfortunately, many people don't even know what it is mm-hmm. or how it presents. And so it was it's useful for us to be able to get a message out to patients across the inspired listenership to, so they can just understand this a bit more and know what to do if they feel as though they may be suffering from this problem. Yeah. And um, remember, listeners, we can't give out any specific um, GP health advice. Um, You may need to go and see your own GP if you have any specific queries. But hopefully this discussion will just give you maybe a little bit of an awareness of what long COVID is. If you hear about it on TV, if somebody says that, um, you know, they've been diagnosed with long COVID and possibly how to support them if they're within our communities and families. But also you might be listening to this and think, actually, I've not felt right for a while. Um, and this may be me and I may need more tests. And that's the point that we want you to go and see your own GP. So shall we start off? Um, why don't you tell us what long COVID is? Okay, so I think we're all aware of what COVID is. It's a viral infection that can make you quite poorly for a week or so. Um, and the official def- definition is just like signs and symptoms of an infection with a positive lateral flow test. Mm-hmm. Uh, or COVID-19. So that's what we all know about. 
However, since the first wave of COVID back in March 2020, a few months down the line, we noticed that a lot of patients just weren't getting better. Mm-hmm. And when I say not getting better, obviously the initial symptoms of virus and a cough and feeling rubbish and in bed for a week, they had settled down. But lots of patients were presenting with just tiredness, lethargy, an ongoing dry cough, breathing difficulties, um, a loss of taste and a loss of the sense of taste and smell. Mm-hmm. And these persisted past what you'd normally expect with a normal cold or flu. Mm. And as research went on, um, a definition was made describing something called long COVID. And essentially long COVID is a multi-system condition. And what that means is it doesn't just affect one system of the body necessarily. So it might not be just your breathing. It might be um, your memory, your breathing, your joints, um, your stomach sometimes. And so it's a multi-system condition with a range of symptoms. And often we, we classify you as having long COVID once you've had the symptoms after 12 weeks of your initial infection with COVID. Does that make so sense? Three, yeah, so three, mo- three months afterwards. Because I think, um, just to take you kind of a step back, um, obviously COVID specifically, um, you've said has to be positive on the lateral flow test. And, you know, a lot of us were testing on a very regular basis, whether that be, you know, to come into contact with those who may be vulnerable or to find out if we have symptoms or if you're carrying it and you didn't have symptoms. Um, but firstly, I think that is not so much, you know, the case anymore. People aren't really testing. Tests aren't as readily um, available and are, are not being given out as, you know, free. So I think, that's important for, um, you know, if you're saying that's part of the criteria that maybe people are still needing to test if they can consider that they may have COVID, uh, which is a good uh, learning point. But also, I think um, in my practice, I see a lot of people who have almost forgotten that pre-COVID, you could also be unwell with different viral infections for, you know, sometimes longer than a week. And it does take that recovery um, that recovery can take a while for people. I mean, the service, the post-COVID assessment service, and I should just mention, you, you said earlier that I run the service. I don't run the service. <laughs> what happened was there's a practice in Milton Keynes called Wadden Healthcare who actually run the service for beneficial to Milton Keynes. Yes. And I realised that we didn't have a place in Luton. They had a place in Bedford and Milton Keynes. And what was happening is any of our patients were having to travel. I so I, 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 I suggested we start a clinic in Luton just for Luton patients, and they use my practice at Wooden Avenue to run their clinic from. But also, we actually do take patients, one of our criteria is not to have a positive lateral flow, because often people haven't tested. But our general feeling is, if it sounds like COVID, it probably was COVID, and therefore we'll still see those patients. You don't need to prove that you had COVID. Bear in mind, a lot of patients early doors, they didn't have tests even at the start. We're talking March 2020 onwards around the first lockdown. A lot of people didn't have tests because you'd have to queue up on a drive-by to get a test at that time. But we're almost certain a lot of these patients had COVID. And so therefore, um, having a positive test is not a prerequisite to be referred to the clinic at all. Ah, that's very interesting. And maybe for the um, clinicians kind of listening, any doctors, nurses, you know, people in the community. I didn't I didn't know that. I thought you actually had to have a proven positive test because you're right. I think I got COVID um right at the beginning. Um and yeah, there were no there was no testing. So you kind of you had a fever, you had the symptoms and you thought, okay, well yeah, this is probably COVID. Also I'm never though you do raise an interesting point. Um you're right that tests are not as readily available, but the risks to certain individuals, particularly elderly people, is still there from a COVID infection. So I still advise patients when they have an illness, if they can, they should still try and get a test because even though they might be fine, they may take it home to someone who won't be fine. So from that perspective, it's still worth getting a test if you can. Now I understand they cost money, they're not as readily available, but I think from a healthcare perspective, we should still tell people, and we do, that if you can get a test because it does have an impact, not necessarily on the patient themselves, mm-hmm. but to those around them, especially those at risk. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I mean, um, I, I guess more the point is, if you're speaking to somebody, if you're listening to this and you think, oh, well, actually, you know, I thought I had COVID, but there was no 
proof of it, there's no point in me going. Actually, the the message is still go, still speak to your GP, still say that you've heard it from Dr. Ahmed on Inspire FM, um, that actually you can still uh, be referred. Okay, so that's around kind of COVID. And with any viral infection, we've said it can take a while for kind of your body to just recover. And it takes some people a bit longer than others. But with long COVID, it has to be more than three months, which is a very long time, isn't it? It is because it, if you can imagine, there's lots of viruses out there that can actually wipe you out. For example, glandular fever. Um, they can wipe you out for four, five, six, seven weeks anyway. And often patients who have these viral illnesses, COVID aside, they do tend to get better after about six to eight weeks. So they've put a definition of 12 weeks just to make sure that we're catching those that aren't getting better because 12 weeks gives people enough time to to assess whether they've actually recovered fully that's yeah. what we think anyway yeah, yeah. and uh, you know uh, people who occasionally run i will i would call us people who occasionally run you speak for yourself i'm i run all the time <laughs> well as somebody who um previously ran a marathon and has done very little since um i think you can tell how quickly um, not doing something on a regular basis kind of decreases your exercise tolerance and it can take quite a while uh, for all of that to like build build back up, can't it? Um, and I guess that three months gives that time to kind of see, are you actually able to bring it back up again to somewhere where you were before or not? And actually, I'll come on to that when we come to um, treatments because the treatment in terms of building up your exercise tolerance in COVID is very different from what you'd normally imagine being your treatment when you're unwell. So generally speaking, as human beings, we have this understanding that if you lift more, if you do more, if you run faster, then you'll get stronger. Mm. But with COVID recovery, it's completely the opposite. And the problem a lot of people have is they end up trying to get back to their baseline too fast. And their body, because of the long COVID, is still recovering and they can't. And they end up in this cycle of never getting better until they come to the clinic and we explain it. And then suddenly when they taper their activity levels right back to nothing, essentially, and then build it properly slowly, they get better. And it's something that, unless you're told, you wouldn't understand yeah. that. Yeah, okay. So there's a whole kind of mental aspect of understanding, uh, kind of, I guess, how it works, um, the effect on your body and how you may have to kind of do things differently than how you've previously done before. Because I know for me, it's, you know, any kind of time away from any exercise, it gets really frustrating because you think, well, I could do that like three weeks ago or I could do that a month ago. I want to be able to do it now. Um, and sometimes it can be quite hard to kind of take that step back and think actually, okay, well, let me do half of that or a quarter of that even um and you know build it up slowly and you will get there okay. we're just always we're just always in a rush you see and 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 one of the things and I, I gave a talk today to some other doctors about long covid and one of the key messages was um, you need to take your time with long covid there is no quick fix and so that patience is where often patients fall down because you have to wait and you have to slowly slowly build everything back up and that's difficult for some people who need to get on with things straight away. Yeah. Well, I think that this is a, a kind of a common theme that comes up in lots of my shows that people expect, we live in a generation where we expect that fine, something can happen. You can miss your bus, but you want the next bus to come one minute after it so that you're not inconvenient. So there's no delay to all the plans, all the things that you have in place. And we don't allow ourselves that time to recover from anything. Um, and actually, I think that's a good kind of first learning point. But I interrupted you at the beginning when you were saying about how it can affect you and it affects your whole system. So let's go back to the definition. So you don't necessarily need a positive lateral flow test, but if it sounds like COVID, feels like COVID, was COVID, and you know you probably didn't test for whatever reason, you can still be assessed. And what other symptoms are we looking for? So the symptoms are slightly different to the acute symptoms. So you know, when when we initially COVID was all around, we were talking about fever, a non-productive cough. These were the key features yeah. or a dry Loss cough. Loss of taste and smell. 
Yep, lots of taste and smell. <laughs> that yeah, was kind of like that was the hallmark, and it it seems so long ago, doesn't it? Does. It, it does. Well, it doesn't seem so long ago for me, Amla, because I I see long COVID patients every day, and I was counting the other day. I think I've seen about a thousand. Wow. Since I started doing the long COVID role, so it's still quite fresh in my mind. But in terms of um, COVID itself, um, I think a lot of people have forgotten about it. Yeah. yeah okay. So if we're talking about symptoms, uh -huh. the the common symptoms that we talk about when it comes to long COVID, the, there's a, there's a couple that are the main ones. And then there's lots of other ones. We've actually identified about 200 symptoms that have been reported reported by our patients. Oh wow! Okay. So you can see that the, 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 it's it's a huge array, and sometimes the difficulty is teasing out what's long COVID and what isn't. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, long COVID aside, and any illness aside, uh -huh. you're always going to have other problems. Yeah. And as a GP, you'll understand yeah. patients don't often present with one problem; they have yep. a couple. And sometimes the risk is we bunch them all together. And sometimes the we, I mean, usually bunching them all together doesn't really help because they're all different problems. Yeah. Sometimes you have to bunch them together. And I guess our job as GPs is trying to tease out what yeah. fits where. Mm -hmm. So, okay, we've got breathing difficulties, particularly shortness of breath on exertion. That's a, a classic sign of uh, or symptom of um, long COVID. The patients feel as though they can't catch a proper breath, they can't take a full deep breath, and they get very out of breath very quickly. And that's and caused that's when by they're doing things. Yeah, yeah. I mean minimal things, just walking to the shop. Okay. Something that they wouldn't even think about before. Now they right. can't do anymore. And you can imagine if, if that's happened to somebody and they have an active job, for example, they can't work anymore. Yeah. If they used to walk to work and they can't walk to work anymore, they can't do that anymore. So mm -hmm. the implications of something like shortness of breath and exertion is huge, massive for people. And I've seen patients, young patients, our age, 30, 35, 36, 37, 40. Uh, just put I'm, you're definitely just, not you know, 35, 37 or 40, but sure, yep. <laughs> okay. I am. I was just trying to make you feel better about yourself. Um, so <laughs> with regards to um, the breathing difficulties, that has an impact on every facet of your life. And it's a really key feature. And dysfunctional breathing is probably our most common symptoms. Other symptoms we have is a change or loss or the, of your sense of taste and smell that has never come back. So okay. patients are three months, four months. I've had patients two years down the line, still can't mm -hmm. smell anything, still can't taste anything. Okay. I will talk about some things we can try to help with that uh -huh. um, and, and what, the, what the next steps would be for those people. Another symptom, and this is another big one, is fatigue and brain fog. And so fatigue is a very general term, a very um, all-encompassing term. But essentially, we're talking about just tiredness. Simply put, extreme tiredness. tiredness. Not I'm, you know, I'm a little bit tired today. I was fine yesterday. Yes, yes, extreme tiredness over and above what you would normally expect in your day-to-day -day life, mm -hmm. and that also fits with brain fog. Just yeah. that sense that you just can't find the right words to say sometimes, and you're jiggling words in your head, but you can't get them out. All of these little key concepts fit into the umbrella of fatigue, mm -hmm. uh, muscle ache and pains. They also fit into fatigue because minimal activity leads to extreme fatigue. Yeah. So whereas normally getting your kids up and dropping them off to school was just part of your day. Mm -hmm. Now you have to plan it because it's so difficult. So those are the three main ones. Breathing, uh, the change of taste, changing your sense of taste and smell and ongoing fatigue. On top of that, yeah. We've had symptoms like palpitations, which is when you feel your heart fluttering, headaches, dizziness, tingling in your fingers and toes, um, rat, sort of ringing in your ears, um, aches and pains, mental health issues is a big one. Yeah. So the, symptom, the symptomatology of long COVID is massive. And the, the reality is after seeing so many patients, it's all down to the individual patient. It's uh -huh. hard to say these are this is the symptoms you have got long COVID. Yeah. And to be honest, I, I don't envy you. I think this is a very, very difficult job um, and very difficult to like help patients navigate through it because actually a lot of those symptoms, they are so vague and they can be attributed to lots and lots of different things, um, which is why we're saying, you know, if you think any of this is resonating with you, go and see your GP because it's not just for a referral immediately then where you'll be seen by the long COVID clinic. I'm sure we'll get to it but there are other tests that we, we need to do in your GP practice 
other blood tests, make sure that all of this isn't related to a thyroid problem, for example, or, um, you know, an imbalance in something or that you are very, very low in iron. So I, I tend to kind of say this from a menopause point of view. I know we've talked quite a bit about menopause and periods on various shows over the last few months, but it can some what we don't want to do. And I assume that's what you're kind of very careful about in your clinic you don't want to just say oh yes this is long covid because it is so vast and it could be but it's trying to find out what bits are not long covid mm. and actually instead of just saying oh yes well you know you're around 50 it's just going to be the menopause well actually it could be your thyroid it could be you know lots of different it could be a combination i guess of you know menopause and long covid one of the pre prerequisites we have for referral into the clinic by gps so GPs mm -hmm. can refer to us, is you have to have a full set of bloods, including specific bloods that we ask for, and a chest x-ray. Mm -hmm. And the reason we insist that practices do these things for their patients before they refer to us is for exactly the reason you've mentioned, to rule out any other things that can be corrected. So we need to make sure you're right. It's not a thyroid issue. It's not uh, heart failure. It's not um, chronic lung disease. It's not something else. Once we've ruled all those things out, we only tend to take patients whose all blood tests and x-rays have come back clear. And that's the reason behind it. Because if there is something else, we find it, we treat it, we yeah. deal with it. And then we can, it's easier for us then to tease out what is the actual long COVID symptoms rather than something else that was correctable. And I think it's good to kind of understand that expectation um, because what we don't want to do is kind of frighten the whole of Luton into thinking that they have long COVID because they have one, you know, one or two of the symptoms, um, but also haven't had any of the tests to kind of substantiate it um, well, which is helpful. And I think um, for me, a learning point is um, what you said about kind of the fatigue and something that you would normally just get up and do without a second thought, having to plan for it. You know, it's that's the kind of effective on your life it's not okay well yeah I was tired on the school run this morning it's actually well no you know I've had to change my whole routine in order to be able to do the five minute school run assuming that well, one of the one of the interesting things Amna, is nationally they've been looking at data for long COVID referrals and nationally the referrals from South Asian communities is the lowest of any other group um, whereas white English Caucasian patients, their referrals into long COVID services nationally has always been the highest. And right. when we were talking about this in our team, what our assumption was, was actually often English is a second language for a lot of these patients. Yeah. So in order to come into G your GP and explain to them, I feel fatigued, I feel tired, and relate that to long COVID, it's much easier to do it if you're speaking in the same language to your GP, yeah. i.e. Yeah. English, for example. And it's much less... Uh, it's much more difficult for patients of certain communities to do that on top of the inequalities that we know exist within healthcare, particularly for ethnic minorities. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's really important being on Inspire, which is essentially a Luton based um, radio station, which goes out to other areas with high ethnic minorities to try and get the message out to those patients. So it may be that your, your mom or your dad is not listening to the show, but if you're listening to the show and your mm -hmm. mom or dad, had COVID and you've noticed since then they just knackered all the time and they're just not themselves. Yeah. Don't put it down to nothing. Mm -hmm. Take your mom and dad, get them to see a doctor, uh, the GP to begin with. Maybe it's just some baseline blood tests and they need some mm -hmm. iron. But if it's something more, they mm. should have the same opportunity to get access to some yeah. support as everybody else. Yeah. And I think um, with the language thing that you mentioned, um, you know, there are language interpreting services um available in every single GP practice over the phone so you don't need to pre-plan uh in advance but in every single GP practice uh in Luton and the wider area um but speak to your GP um speak on behalf of you know your mom or your dad or your auntie or whoever that's going in that you you know you've passed this information on to um and let them know that that's available because it is really important for patients to be able to articulate and you know we've just talked about fatigue and saying you know it needs to have that kind of impact it's not the same as just somebody coming in with very limited English and saying feel tired and that's it you're not going to get the massive impact um that you know these symptoms are having um on that patient and their lives um mm. without 
that kind of language barrier being taken down. And you also have to consider that feeling tired all the time is just a really generic symptom. Yeah. I mean, as a GP, you know, we see that all the time. Yeah. So um, it's useful to be able to break that down a bit. And that's why I think it's useful to, if you have a parent who you can take with you, you know, if you either interpret for them. We're lucky in Luton because we've got a lot of GPs that speak other languages, which is mm -hmm. useful. But yeah. if you have someone in your practice that speaks the same language, it's useful to be able to have that conversation. I've, I've seen quite a few in my practice, Bengali patients, because I'm Bengali, um, that I've been able to, that I've referred to the clinic that we probably would otherwise have never been referred. Mm -hmm. But I've referred my own patients to my clinic and seen them that way. And it's been really useful for them. Excellent. Well, thank you. Um, we're coming up to our first break. We've talked a little bit about the symptoms. We will review those again um, when we come back after the break. And then we will also talk about um, any kind of self-help and the prognosis. So, you know, will we get better? How and when? See you after the break. Assalamualaikum. Assalamu alaikum, this is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Any health advice given, whether general, diet, physical or spiritual, is general only and must be verified by your doctor. If you need medical advice, please consult a doctor. Assalamualaikum and welcome back to the health and fitness show on Inspire FM. I'm Dr. Amna, it's Thursday the 6th of July 2023 and before the break we were talking to Dr. Monjo Ahmed who is a GP in Luton and who runs the Luton Clinic for the post-COVID assessment service and he's been talking to us all about long covid what the symptoms are, um, and really just kind of highlighting uh, the importance of if you feel like since you've had COVID, you've just not been quite right, please, please do go and see your GP. There are tests that can be done, and there is a clinic that can be that you can be referred to um, if we suspect that you have um, long COVID, um, or if you think that somebody in your family or your community um, has kind of just not been exactly the same since they've had uh, COVID, please do encourage them to go and see their GP uh, to discuss this. So if you have um, any questions or anything that you want us to follow up on, obviously remember that we can't give specific medical advice, um, but do give us any feedback or send in your questions or queries or any ideas for future shows of things that are affecting you in the community and call us on 01582-481-822 or via text or WhatsApp on 0777 1822 and obviously you have the normal social media um, on Instagram, Facebook and this show will also be on YouTube um, to listen back to as a recording um, and you can interact with us through all of those platforms. So Dr Ahmed, um, thank you again for joining us and thank you for rejoining after the break. You're welcome. Um, so just a very quick recap. Um, in terms of long COVID, either a positive COVID test or, um, you know, an assumption that you had COVID at that time, but you did not uh, test. It's been three months of symptoms, and we've talked a bit about the wide array of symptoms um, that you've been having, uh, that you could be having, but you've mentioned specifically shortness of breath on kind of normal, minimal day-to-day -day activities and a tiredness um, that, you know, has affected your life and you've needed to make adjustments to. And we've said, if you think you might um, have that, please go and see your GP. But in the meantime, are there any things that patients can do? Uh, yes, there is. So uh, let's start off with the breathing issue. So there's something called dysfunctional breathing. Uh -huh. And to put it simply, it's when you are not effectively aerating your lungs. And as a patient, the symptom is, or the feeling is, you just feel like you're not getting enough oxygen in, or you just don't, you can't take a proper deep breath. And some of the signs of this from a patient point of view is yawning and sighing a lot, taking short, sharp breaths through your mouth rather than through your nose, 
um, feeling exhausted because the actual exhaustion could be because of the breathing pattern and the fact that you're breathing in the in the wrong kind of way. And what we find is after COVID, a lot of patients develop this odd breathing pattern and it just becomes subconscious. So they're not doing it on purpose. It's just there. And the only way to fix that problem is by focusing in on your breathing and to revert to a normal type of breathing. So when we're working out or we're panting and puffing away because we're really tired, we start breathing in a dysfunctional way. But COVID, long COVID patients, they do that at rest or, or just walking up the road. And that doesn't effectively aerate your lungs and therefore you don't get enough oxygen to your muscles. And that's why you can have this wide array of symptoms, including tingling, it can give you headaches, it can give you muscle aches, it can give you fatigue. And also if it makes you feel short of breath, because essentially what you're doing is you're hyperventilating. Uh-huh. As we know, hyperventilation can lead to lots of other issues, including you know panic attacks because if you can't breathe and passing out. So if we can revert people's breathing technique, we can sort of, and that's how we've been fixing the problem with a lot of these patients seeing our physiotherapists, is teaching them how to breathe. And I can go through the steps of how to do it at home, but I would say anybody who's got shortness of breath on exertion, meaning shortness of breath on minimal activity, they should probably talk to their GP regardless. Yeah, yeah of course. And, you know, we would always um, encourage that. But that, but that's a good point to kind of just notice and maybe somebody has mentioned it to you you know they say you're breathing in a bit of a strange way or you think oh maybe I'm we always ask uh, for kind of heart related breathing issues you know how many pillows are you sleeping on has anything changed Um, and it may be that actually without noticing or without um, kind of putting a bit too much attention on it you've already kind of adapted in doing things um, differently I remember when I was unwell. I was kind of sat forward a lot more so that I could feel like I could take a big, like a better breath in, which was very unusual for me. So it might be that you've kind of already adapted and this has gone on for so long um, that it's become normal for you. But other people are saying, oh, well, actually, you know, you you did not used to breathe like that or, you know, you're taking this weird pant or whatever it is. You'd be surprised how many patients I see in clinic. And when I point out what they're doing, they notice it for the first time. So actually, it can be quite subtle. And until it's pointed out, people don't realize. And classically, a lot of these patients, um, they notice it more when they lie down flat. So I've had patients sitting up in the chair. And as soon as they lie flat, they start (gasps) taking gasps of air because they feel as though they can't breathe. And that's just classic of hyperventilation syndrome, which is essentially dysfunctional breathing. Okay, and you mentioned um, there are some things that you you can do kind of at home. Yeah, so on a a practical level, um, Mm -hmm. there's a few steps you can go through to practice your breathing. Ideally, you need to do it lying down with a pillow under your head and a pillow under your knees. Mm -hmm. And essentially what you do is you bring your lips together, keep your jaw loose, and you want to take a slow, gentle, silent breath in through your nose. Mm -hmm. You don't want your chest to be moving. You want your stomach to be feeling like it's filling up like a balloon not your chest okay? okay so the deep breath has to be deep in the sense that you're using your diaphragm you take that breath in and then you breathe out again through your nose slowly but don't force the exhale it just needs to naturally come out and then you should see then you should feel your stomach deflating uh-huh. and then at the end of the deflation you just need to wait a second or two hold your breath uh-huh. and then do it again and what we do is we make patients do that 10 to 20 times twice a day and okay. focus on it and anywhere where they feel a bit of tension in their body in their chest wall anywhere they just try and think away that tension it sounds really simple but what we found is I, gonna say, I think that sounds quite hard <laughs> to oh, regulate your breathing it's different for different people but if you've got dysfunctional breathing and you become a bit of a mouth breather it becomes really hard because if you're breathing with your mouth all the time and i've told you listen start breathing with your nose suddenly that might be really hard but the patients who do it they improve so dramatically, it's unbelievable. Okay, interesting. I'm, I'm just trying to kind of do the same as, as you were kind of talking. So d- talk me through it again. So obviously you need to be lying down, which I'm not yeah. right now. But so it's going to be lips together, mm-hmm. jaw loose, mm-hmm. and a slow, you don't, silent. Yeah, you don't want lots of No, tension. you don't want to be tensed yeah. up. You want a long, silent, because the reason we say silent here is it has to be a natural inhale rather than going against obstruction and forcing the issue. So a long, silent Uh, inhale through the nose, Uh feel your belly filling up, then an exhale, but the exhale should be using your muscles, so there's no effort to it. It's your intra-abdominal muscles that are helping the exhale with your diaphragm. 
So you don't want to push the breath out. It should just come out naturally. Uh And that is the natural form of breathing that we want in patients with long COVID. And Mm -hmm. by practicing that, and obviously on the exhale, you wait for a second or two before you do it again. And again, like I said, it sounds easy, but it is really hard for some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I think the the natural thing is to kind of force a a breath in or kind of force it out. And especially if you're feeling short of breath to kind of be like, okay, I've held my breath in for long enough. I'm just going to push it all out um, and kind of regulating that. But from my point of view, this is an excellent thing for patients to kind of be doing maybe while you're waiting for your um, appointment, either for the GP or for for the long COVID clinic, um, because this is what we talk about with breathing exercises and mindfulness and taking that time for yourself. So I think actually also the other benefits it could have um, are massive because you mentioned about mental health as well. So the mental health side is not necessarily related to COVID itself. It's more the fact that patients with long COVID are essentially suffering from a chronic illness, just like COPD or ulcerative colitis or cancer even. They're living with an issue that is really affecting their day-to-day life and is often quite debilitating. Anything or anybody with a chronic illness has the risk of developing depression. And long COVID is no um, exception to that rule. A lot of patients with long COVID have had to lose their jobs. Many have uh, not been able to keep up with the mortgage. I had a patient recently who's gone into temporary accommodation from having a very good job just because employers, as much as they want to support patients, sometimes they can't. And sometimes they they can't just let people be off sick forever and ever and ever. So people are losing their jobs. And that has a, a, a huge effect on their mental health. And one of the things we don't do enough in general, COVID aside, we don't talk to people about their mental health, particularly men, but also women. Mm-hmm. And actually, I've had a few patients who were really sick early on with COVID. They were in intensive care and they'd come out and they still got lots of problems, i.e. because of they were on, they were ventilated and they were in a COVID. They're still not ever going to be right. Yeah. But the issue that wasn't addressed ever was the mental health side of things. Yeah. You know, I had a young girl today, actually, whose um, son... Uh, was 10 when she was in intensive care and she didn't see him for a month and she saw people next to her dying every day people were dying there's trauma there and a lot of people who were really sick but didn't go to hospital stayed at home uh, because they were scared of dying there's trauma there so mental health is really important in managing patients with long covid because um, the trauma aside they need to learn to live with some of their symptoms and accept that they may not be back to where they were in the start so there's a, there's a grieving process there. If I used to run three miles without thinking about it, and now I can barely get to the shop, that's a grieving process. And part of our role as doctors is trying to help them manage those expectations and manage their mental health. Often, and you know this, Amna, with your own patients, someone whose mental health is in a good place, all of their problems seem less so. Yeah. And someone yeah. whose mental health is in a bad place all of their problems see, seem sort of heightened. So it's really important for us to focus in on the mental health side of long COVID. And to be able to kind of provide support in that safe space, because actually you may not have, um, you may not have even realised that, like even in yourself. And this is why I was saying about maybe other people have mentioned that you're not quite the same. Uh, and it may be subtle things in your personality or, you know, your ability to do things. And you're right, it's, it's really hard to take when you're able to kind of do one thing one day and what seems like overnight, because when we're ill, you know, and you're in bed, you kind of feel like you've lost X period of time in your life, but you don't really count it. You kind of feel like, okay, I was well, then I was sick for a period of time, one or two weeks, you know, that part of my life did not exist, but now I feel better. So I'm ready to kind of go back to what I was and your body's saying, well, actually maybe not. Yeah, and one of the problems with a lot of long COVID patients and patients in general is life doesn't stop just because you're unwell. So if you're a mother who's having to get the kids ready for the school run, or if you've got a very stressful job and you have to keep up with deadlines and whatnot, that doesn't stop just because you're sick, particularly for family commitments at home. You have to keep going. You have to keep cleaning and tidying and all of those things that families have to do. Life won't stop for you. And so with COVID recovery, as I mentioned, a very strict uh, reduction in exercise and a gradual buildup is important to 
kind of get back to normal. But you can't do that when you've got a busy family. You have to keep going. So these patients, they they can't take a break. They can't catch a break. They have to keep going. And that just compounds the issue further. And so they're just in the cycle of having to keep going despite struggling with it. Can't afford to lose the job because it's got to pay the mortgage. And it's with any chronic illness, isn't it? You just you just keep going because you have to. And at some point, everybody crashes. So mm-hmm. if we can, and I say this to the patients and everybody listening, if there's an opportunity to talk to someone, try and take it. Because as much as just talking to someone might not solve the problem, mm-hmm. talking to someone often helps, especially yeah. if it's something like long COVID. Yeah. And the service is uh, the post-COVID assessment service. Yeah. So obviously these conversations and having that uh, kind of awareness and even maybe just have getting a diagnosis sometimes is so important for people to mm. kind of validate how they've been feeling for so long, especially as, you know, like you said, it may have been going on from the beginning of the pandemic, you know, nearly three years now or just over three years. Um, but what about um, the kind of post support? So you've talked about the breathing um, yeah. exercises and support and <clears throat> having physio there to kind of, follow up with you and lead on that um but is there any kind of provision for the things that you're talking about in terms of so often our patients Amna, are discharged after the first appointment once we've given them the tools that they need um to um kind of deal with the problem and those are the mild patients because most covid long covid sufferers have mild symptoms okay. and we can manage them with self-help support and again that period of talking to them and, and just validating how they're feeling that really helps yeah. However, within the service, we uh, tie in with the COVID fatigue service, which is the chronic fatigue service that have developed with um, partnership with us, a service that looks at fatigue management specifically for long COVID. Because long COVID fatigue is, is, is different to just chronic fatigue in general. So we've developed a service that patients can join. It's a six-week program that we can refer them on to if they, if they feel they'll benefit, followed by one-to-one um, bespoke support for fatigue for those patients who need it. We've also got a respiratory physiotherapist who we refer to who does one-to-one breathing um, support because some people, they don't like the self-help or they just struggle with the kind of doing it at home. We offer that. And our respiratory physiotherapy, who's amazing, her name's Jenny, she also refers patients on to something called spirometry, which is breathing tests, because some patients with long COVID end up developing asthma and other breathing difficulties, and that's managed in a different way. So if we see that your breathing is odd, but it's not quite fitting with dysfunctional breathing, we will then investigate to find out what the issue is. And that can involve a CT scan, spirometry, or even a referral to the respiratory specialists. Uh-huh. We also have an occupational therapist in our service who then works one-to-one with patients in developing strategies and techniques to manage on a day-to-day basis. So how they get up and go make breakfast and go up the stairs, how they manage their day-to-day life, which is probably more important than anything else because apart from anything else you have to get on with life so um, Haley our OT is fantastic she supports patients on that specific side of things and the other thing is if we identify an issue with a patient which we think actually it may or may not be long COVID but this needs some more specialist input we'll then advise onward referral to the specialists so essentially the doctor in the service we assess we take a really holistic view of the patient from top to toe and then based on our assessment we kind of send them where they need to go. Sometimes we send them home because we feel as though we can manage them that way. But other times we'll send them to the right person in order to address their symptoms because everyone's symptoms are different. Just to be clear, those are, you know, specialist referrals on an outpatient basis. So you're not expecting to um, kind of see somebody and because uh, that's always the fear, isn't it? You go to your your doctor and then straight away you got you get sent to hospital. So that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking no, no. about... It's the same as a referral that would come from yeah. your GP. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would be the same as a referral that comes with the GP. But what patients like is at least something's happening. You know, as you know, and as all the patients will, will tell you, those who try and get GP appointments, access to um, healthcare is very difficult at the moment. Mm-hmm. whether that's a GP appointment or a hospital appointment where people are waiting over a year sometimes. Mm-hmm. So we know that access is an issue nationally, but at least with the post-COVID assessment service, people feel as though they're making some progress in their healthcare and they've been sitting for six months, nine months with these symptoms. It's yeah. just nice, at least from the first appointment, to just get that validation. You, yeah. You'd be surprised how far that goes mm-hmm. just to make just to say to people, you're not crazy, you know, yeah. this is real. 
Mm-hmm. I've seen so many, so many hundreds of patients. This is real what's happening. People just sometimes want to feel like, okay, just someone just tell me that this yeah, is not yeah. just in my head. Yeah. And also then it can give you that strength to, um, if like you're saying, it's affecting work, to have that conversation and say, actually, we think this is what's going on, or I am going to need some adaptations, or I need to speak to occupational health, or, you know, all of these things um, that sometimes we aren't aware is an option. um, But also sometimes we don't make use of it, or we think, oh, well, it's nothing, I'm just a bit tired, or I'm whatever. And actually, having that proper assessment um, is so, so important. Often people say, nobody's going to believe me because I look fine. Mm. and this is the problem it's like it's almost like some disabilities just because you can't see something doesn't mean someone's not really struggling yeah yeah Um, but again it's just empowering the patient to feel as though they can have those conversations it's really important yeah yeah and I think that's what um most of us kind of urge any listeners to do whether it's you like we said or somebody that you know that you feel possibly this sounds like them uh, to go and have that assessment, have that reassurance. And to be honest, you know, it, it may not be long COVID. So let's talk about that. You know, is it sometimes where we think it, it may not be long COVID? Yeah, sometimes we do. So I've, I've seen a few patients who have, have turned up with issues and have been referred to us. And we're almost certain it's not long COVID. The timing doesn't fit sometimes. And sometimes the symptoms are just completely out of what we've ever seen before. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And often when we investigate, we realize actually it's related to something else. Mm. Some patients obviously have other chronic conditions, okay? Yeah. Heart conditions, lung conditions. So if you've got a lung condition which makes you short of breath yeah. because your lungs are damaged in some way, yeah. COVID yeah. probably make that worse, or long COVID will make it worse, but that's not the crux of the issue. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and, and again, part of our role is trying to tease out the difference. It's not an exact science. Yeah. Well, through experience, I think we're, we're quite confident now in telling people we think this is or we think this isn't. Mm. But patients won't know that until they come to the doctors. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And I, <clears throat> I think that's what that's the message, isn't it? If you are concerned, if you haven't been feeling um, quite so well, um, this is kind of the empowerment to actually go and speak to somebody. You're not going to be wasting anyone's time. I think that's always the fear, especially when it's things that are, you know, a bit vague. Um, you know, if it's affecting your life, we want to hear about it as your GPs. Um, there are things that we can do. There are tests that we can do. And there's a service that we can refer you on to with people, you know, put in place specifically to help you manage, whether it's kind of your daily life or um, otherwise. So that all sounds um, really positive. Because I think with um, chronic conditions, sometimes um, it can feel quite depressing or a kind of a big burden to be given kind of that label of a chronic disease can't it i guess the other thing is probably worth mentioning is that um sometimes getting gp GP appointments can be quite hard um, but ultimately if it's your health yeah you need to you know you need to stand up and push for your health Mm. so if it is difficult to to get an appointment book a routine appointment Mm. you might have to wait a few weeks for that it is what it is there's mm-hmm. lots of ways to get with your GP, get into your GP now. It's not yeah. just um, as it was where you just phone every day at eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Practices take e-consults. Some practices receive emails. Find mm-hmm. out how best to contact your practice mm-hmm. and get yourself a routine appointment to have a conversation with your GP. You might be waiting, yeah. but it's really worth it because it's ultimately you who suffers if you don't look into it and investigate your problems and get talking to the right person. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much. Um, we are already getting to the end of our um, to the end of our show. Um, and are there any kind of take home points that you wanted um, to add uh, for our listeners? I think the only take home would be that, from my experience, I can tell the patient or the the listeners that long COVID is definitely real, even though you can't see it, and there's no blood test that you can do to confirm it. Yeah. If you suspect that after having COVID, you've been left with any sort of symptoms that are ongoing, talk to your GP in the mm-hmm. first instance, because mm-hmm. the chances are it may be long COVID and the mm-hmm. chances are we can try and do something about it. So yeah. rather than suffer mm-hmm. and let it affect your mental health, talk to someone. Yeah. 
Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, the take home point that I wanted to um, mention to everyone for this upcoming Saturday, obviously we're pre-recording this show, but it will go, it will broadcast on Thursday and on the Saturday, Park Run at Wardown Park is um, joining up with 75 years of the NHS. And as usual, you don't have to run. It's Park Run makes it sound like we're all super fit runners. We're not. Um, and even if you are a super fit runner, you may just choose to walk. Uh, just come down to Wardown Park nine o'clock sharp um, on the bandstand, which is the thing that looks like the musical roundabout thing in the center of uh Wardown Park and there'll be lots of us around to um start the park run also just kind of have a nice chat and all of these things that um you know we're talking about in terms of improving your mental health improving kind of breathing or just taking one step forward it might be that at the beginning of the year you said I will try and do this and you've not been able to you've not had time to this Saturday may be the time to do that. And hopefully we'll get lots of representation um, from people across the NHS and also across um, across the town that have either joined Park Run, Park Walk. And remember, you will never ever be the last person um, at uh, Park Run or Park Walk because we have tail walkers that will walk um, behind you and support you along the way. So I really hope I can see some new faces and also uh, some of our old faces um, on Saturday. Um, please do interact with us, let us know if there are any other shows that you would like us to do. Um, I am going to be taking a break um, from uh, doing the health and fitness show over the next uh, couple of months, but uh, Fahad and Suleiman and Leo will be here picking up on anything um, that you guys want to want us to talk about. Um, but for now, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Dr. Ahmed, for joining us and talking about long COVID. Um, and we'll see you at some point soon. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.